Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I don't care whether it's auto, home, life, business, whatever the insurance need. You want to go to pros, I mean real pros. And you know how I like to deal with real pros. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. By the way, they'll find you the right insurance so you're covered. They'll also make sure you find the best price, too. And if there's a question, they have somebody there ready to take care of you. You're not a number there. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury, purdyinsurance.com. And I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, where it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, time now for our play-by-play call today. On you come. On you come. Magnificent. One final birdie. And at last, Francesco Molinari can give rein to his emotions. That's a slice of history there. His first major and the first major for an Italian golfer. He's a great player anyway. I've watched him play. Nah, yeah, I guess I've seen him play competitively, but I've also seen him play some, uh, you know, a couple few holes in practice rounds. He's just really good. Really, really good. Tiger Woods had the lead, was tied for the lead, heading to the back nine. But this is something we've seen. It's not. This is not a recent thing either with Tiger, but let's go with what he's done recently. If you've noticed in this remarkable comeback, and it is a remarkable comeback, back fusion surgery for anybody to come back is tremendous. For an athlete, and especially a golfer where that turn of the back, what he's done in the last six months is remarkable. Whether he wins or he doesn't, it's remarkable he's out there and he's competing the way he is. But there's also been a pattern, too, at the age of 42. And the pattern has been this. When he has been ultra-competitive in tournaments, you know, he's right there in the top ten. He's right there on the doorstep. He has been terrific the first 63 holes and has done very little in fact, falling back in the final nine. He's gone 63 holes, and you look at his record on the final nine holes of tournaments he's been in the thick of. That's where the wheels have come out the wagon. I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't, you know. But he has not been able to finish. Now, in his career, he has been the best front runner 
I've ever seen in golf. He has a 54-hole lead. The only times, Matt, in his career, he's had 53 54-hole leads in his career. You know how many of those he's kept? How many is that? 49. Wow. He's only lost the 54-hole lead four times in his career. That's it. He's the best front runner ever. And all 14 of his majors are front runs. He's never been great on a relative scale with coming from behind. Well, it's showing up now with the fact that he's, you know, because all these tournaments he's been coming from behind, had to come from behind. And for whatever reason, for him, the fault has been in the final nine holes. 63 holes, you get tantalized by the possibility. And that's something that I don't think he's going to be able to overcome anymore. I think this is the best that we're going to see Tiger Woods now. Well, part of it is when you're coming from behind and you've got nine holes to play, you have to play perfect. It's hard to do. Hard to do. All right. The Pirates have confused the masses. They started off great. They hit a big-time slump. Where 10 days ago, we're thinking the Pirates are a seller. And then they win nine in a row. (laughs) They beat the Brewers five straight times. They beat the Reds. And now they've won nine in a row. Now they're two games over 500. (laughs) They're four and a half back in the wild card. With eight days ago before the trade deadline... Are they actually now a buyer? <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell. Chris Mack from the Pirates Network joins us. Chris, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Or what are they, buyers or sellers? If I had visions in my head of you, like back when it was uh, players down on, on college, like in the back while NERD was playing, like encouraging the DJ what to play, absolutely. Come on, man. I may have seen you there once or twice back Come on, man. Get to play what I like. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny because I was talking to uh, the State College Spikes are going to be hosting the New York Penn League All-Star Game on August 14th. And they're going to have a celebrity softball game. And they were kidding around with me on the broadcast last night about asking me to play in the game. And I said, that's okay, because I was thinking about that. And I picked out my walk-up music. And they said, really? He said, said, what's your walk-up music? I said, the theme to Chariots of Fire. I said, you need need something really slow to to match my pace. Exactly. Everything's cooler with that in the background, because you can do it in slow motion and no one realizes it. And nobody knows that's as fast as I can go. All right, so... (laughs) Uh, all right, nine wins in a row. Uh, mm-hmm. This has put Neil Huntington into an interesting spot, and I don't care what he says about what they're planning or not planning to do. Look, when you're seven, eight games under five hundred, you're going to tell me that you're going to make a run now. Now you're going to now. I mean, let's common sense. But they won nine in a row. Well, here it is. Now we're looking at eight days to go here. So do they become buyers? 
I think if they do pick up anything, it's going to be limited. It's not going to be it's not going to be one of the big names that people w- would get all excited for. You know, they're not going to pull a trade for Chris Archer. Um, you know, Cole Hamels isn't coming to Pittsburgh. Right. Um, yeah, but I, I think you know, if, if there are plenty of bullpen arms on the market, you want to go out and get another lefty to, to you know to, to work as sort of a situational lefty out of the bullpen late in innings uh, and support uh, what Santana, Crick, and Vasquez have done over the last two weeks. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, if it's a young guy who's got more than a year left on a contract, uh, or maybe not young, but you know, somewhat inexperienced, not a, a veteran on an expiring contract, and that's even better. Um, I, I don't think. He, even if they were to do something crazy and sweep the Indians, you know, run it up to 12 in a row, I don't think this is a team that has, you know, we've seen streaky. Think back to the beginning of the year uh, when they were very hot to start, and then you have that run in late May, early June where they go completely in the tank. And now we look at the last two weeks when they've got the best record in baseball. Um, I, I think that's what you get from young, a, a team that's best players are young and inexperienced to an extent, uh, or in some cases, maybe not young and inexperienced, but uh, inexperienced of being leaders and core pieces of a franchise. Uh, like Marte and Polanco have been around for a while, but they haven't had to be the guys uh, because Andrew McCutcheon was always here. Right. You look at, for example, Jamison Tyone, and uh, you look at Vasquez, who's now being counted on every single time out. Uh-huh. Um, he, he wasn't even a closer until the middle of last June. So I think you have young, not necessarily inexperienced as far as service time goes, but inexperienced as far as leadership goes, players, and they're going to get streaky. Uh, and that in and of itself is going to lend it to the entire – and I think you know, we still probably got another ugly run in them at some point down the stretch. They may have their great run in them uh, after this one concludes, an up-and-down team, and I think – uh, at the end of the season, we're going to look back on it and say, okay, I'm glad they didn't sell off pieces A, B, and C to get two months right. of Zach Britt or something like that. Um, so I, I think they'll play it safe. I don't think it'll be a huge sell-off either, though. I think, you know, uh, a guy like David Freeze maybe gets shipped out. Um, maybe if they get more than expected for Jordy Mercer or Josh Harrison, or if they really, truly decide that they're going to cash out high on Corey Dickerson. Um that could be a move that we might see, but I'm in the camp of people who would love to see them just go ahead and extend Dickerson, at least keep him through his final arbitration year. But we'll see. We know those decisions are more often than not usually dictated by the financial concerns. Right. Well, I'd extend Dickerson too. I mean, I, I he's just a good baseball player. You know, it's what he's limited at. For example, defensively, he makes up for it with instinct. I, I mean, I, I like him and. When it comes to the Pirates, I think Neil Huntington's done a great job over the years of picking up Aramis Ramirez, picking up Marlon Burt. You know, mm-hmm. He's been able to pick up that guy you talked about that is not the A-list guy, but is a guy right. that helps you win down the stretch. They can find somebody like that because they're four and a half back in the wild card. They can find somebody like that, they got a shot. Yeah, and even think back to you know uh, the years in 2011 and 2012. I think it was Brian Ludwig one yeah. year. Um, it was who's Derek Lee one year before he got sitting, hurt. Ludwig's sitting here right now listening to the show. I mean, he, he's actually <laughs> one of the Cardinals' in, roving instructors. He's been here the last few days. Well, tell him we said hello then. Um, I will. But I mean, it, those are the examples of guys who you know 
Uh, they have gone out and tried to make those deals in the past. Again, they've never gone all in on a David Price type deal. Right. It's not within the, nor, the character of the organization. Nor should they. Nor should they. I mean, that's a, that doesn't matter. Especially if you're going to rent a guy in the Pirates position. You rent a guy that's affordable that you already had somebody like an Austin Meadows ready down the road to take that spot anyway. Right, which is, I think, what a lot of people looked at, to bring it back around to Dickerson for just a minute, I think that's what we kind of all looked at it as. Like, oh, this guy's great. You know, he'll be here a year, maybe two max, uh, to sort of, uh, and Meadows can apprentice under this guy or apprentice in the corner outfield spots when he is ready to come up. We didn't expect him to come up and light the world on fire for three weeks the way he did. Um, so, you know, they've got an opportunity, I think, I think it's going to be really similar, to be totally honest, to what we saw in 2016, when they were a couple games back of the wild card, Mm -hmm. and everybody was up in arms when they traded Melanson because they were just a couple games out of the wild card, but it ended up netting them a great pair of pitchers, who's been lights out most of the season down in Altoona, and Vasquez, who's uh, an all-star closer now. Right, yeah, and Hearn, I saw a pitch here when he was at Auburn, uh, working his way through. Uh, All right. So they've won nine in a row. What's been the common thread? I think it's been that I, I hate to make it sound like it, it can't continue this way, but I think they've been playing near perfect baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very it, a lot of these wins have struck me the same way those wins back in April did, or you know late March, I guess it, it was at the time. Uh, you got a ton of offense, and really. I think only one of these games in the last nine if they scored fewer than four runs. Right. Uh, you got solid starting pitching, if not spectacular in some instances, uh, and you got good, solid work out of the bullpen, which is what they got early in, in the year when it was Feliz, Contos before he hit the skids, and Vasquez. Well, now it's it's a different trio of guys, but you're getting solid work at the back end of the bullpen. I think they were just named uh, bullpen of the week or something like that. Major League Baseball. I, I didn't know that award existed, but there you go. Um, so <laughs> yeah, they, they, they've got we, good all-around baseball. You we know? were it's named. We were stuff. named. We were named talk show of the hour. It was really great. So, yeah, congratulations. Thanks you know, so much. I, I, you guys go in there and you bang out solid hour after solid <laughs> hour, and I'm glad somebody finally recognized. Just, just for the one hour. <laughs> just for that one. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I mean, you're right. I mean, that's what they've been able to do. They've been able to turn these games into six, maybe seven inning games. And I think you right. know, with their the back end of their bullpen, they've been able to make something out of it because they've been able to turn them into six, seven inning games. Well, and they've been able to catch the opponents when their starting pitching hasn't been great either. So, in particular, in, in Cincinnati and, and Milwaukee has been up and down with their rotation all year, and they didn't get anything really spectacular more than say the one game uh in pittsburgh in that five game series so you know if you can get a couple runs up on the board early which they've been doing dickerson in the leadoff spot has been huge Marte has been producing behind them and then your starting pitcher can settle into a bit of a rhythm doesn't feel the pressure of you know any small mistake might snowball into a big one and then as i said the bullpen at the back end nothing terrible or glaring uh, to me anyway uh, in the field, just good, solid baseball. Well, they've got the Indians the next three, and then they get handed the gift of all gifts. They get the Mets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, will, in your opinion, will this particular week help Neil Huntington make decisions? I think the next three days certainly will, because you're going to face some really good starting pitching uh, yeah. all three days. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, you, you, 
So that in and of itself, I think, will give you night. And Cleveland, when you go by run differential, they've been the third best team in the majors over the last two weeks, in yeah. which the Pirates have been the best. They've only gotten five wins and five losses out of it. So, you know, you could talk, talk right. about that if you want to, but, but it, that was right there. But that was playing the Yankees, people like that. I mean, exactly, exactly. So, uh, the record may not reflect it, but the Indians have been one of the best teams in baseball over the last month as well. So I think it's a, a telling series for both teams. You know, the Indians have talked about going out and adding pieces at the deadline. The Pirates obviously have to decide what they're going to be at the deadline. And I think they both find out a lot about each other. If the Indians starting pitching could be dominant against the Pirates offense that has been on fire for the last two weeks, that tells the Indians front office something, especially if their bullpen can stand up against them. If the Pirates' offense can continue to produce against this rotation and the three starters they're going to face over the next three days, then that tells Neil Huntington something, and especially if his bullpen could keep him in games, then perhaps he looks at it a little bit differently. I think the Mets series, you know, if you don't take three out of four out of the Mets the way they're crumbling to pieces right about now, then you're certainly not a playoff team. Any team that thinks Tim Tebow can help them sell tickets in September <laughs> <laughs> tells you exactly where they're And it's going to be Trevor Williams against Corey Kluber in the opener. So that's going to be a pretty good matchup right there. And, and you know what? Yeah. I, I, but you know what? I like Trevor Williams. I like Trevor a lot, too. He's, he's really run into some consistency issues over the last month sure. and a half, two months. I, and I, that's what I'm curious to see. Can he piece together – a few starts in a row, and how much does the downtime? I mean, he hasn't pitched in twelve days, yeah. thirteen days off. I think right. it is because he didn't start in the last five that, that five game series against Milwaukee. Right. Uh, so he's had a lot of time off. Is that good for him? Does that give him a chance to sort of catch his breath and refocus? Because at the beginning of the season, he was lights out. Started the season with five or six uh, quality starts in a row. So well, if he bounces back to that April form, yeah. then yeah, all of a sudden you've got Tyone, and then you've got Nova pitching well since he came off the DL last right. month. Kingham and Musgrove are always capable of a strong start, and uh, we'll see when and if Chad Cool comes off the DL. That gives you some added depth. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think Williams being getting back to the consistency you showed in April would be huge to getting a little bit more run out of this rotation. He is to me the current version of Charlie Morton, where suddenly he'll go along four innings, and you're like going, "Wow!" Yeah. And all of a sudden, then there's one inning where you sit there and go, "Okay, what the heck." It's funny. I actually said that to someone sort of half in jest a couple of weeks ago when we were watching Charlie Morton on a uh, like a side screen pitching for the Astros, and then we looked at Trevor and we said, "You just know Trevor is going to figure it out at some point." The way Charlie figured it out eventually, uh, you just hope it's still in Pittsburgh uh, when he does figure it out because he doesn't have the, the you know the hashtag electric stuff right now. But uh, feeling that if he was allowed to to sort of pitch to his strengths a little bit more, which is the off-speed stuff, he might be able to unleash some some surprising stuff on the rest of the week. All right. Bucks play tonight. they got Corey Kluber tonight. Then they go tomorrow, and then they go on Wednesday in the afternoon at Progressive Field. Oh, Chris, always a pleasure. Appreciate it very much, my friend. No, thank you, Steve. Always great to catch up with you. Network. Uh, we'll hear a little bit from James Franklin in the next half hour. It is Media Day in Chicago. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. It is great to be with you on this Monday. We've covered a lot of ground here so far in the show with the passing of Portland. 
Uh, talk about a little bit of the Pirates. We've talked about the Phillies. We've talked about injury reports in the Big Ten as to whether they're going to do it or not. It's a big topic out there today. By the way, Meadowlands Racetrack last week brought in $3.5 million in sportsbook in New Jersey. Big number. The thoughts, uh, James Franklin uh, met with the media for about 10 minutes today in Chicago. We'll hear from him in a few moments. At that press gathering, great to have you on board with us. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. You need to be covered insurance-wise. Go to the best. Go to the professionals that know Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, purdyinsurance.com. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Monday to you. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy serving this valley for decades because they have found their customers the best insurance at the best price. Auto, home, life, business. I mean, wide spectrum. And you want to talk about pros. They're there for you 24-7. It's the kind of people they are. I mean, they are really a well-run, well-oiled machine that has your best interests at heart. Customer comes first. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The Big Ten Media Days today, tomorrow. James Franklin met with the media earlier today, courtesy of Big Ten Network. Here are some of the comments that he made about the conference, his team, and some issues. Yeah, that was a you know, pretty unique staff. So I was the offensive coordinator. Ricky Ronnie was the offensive coordinator. system is now our offensive coordinator. Yeah, Raheem Morris was the defensive coordinator. Scott Frost was the defensive graduate assistant. Uh, you know, we had a great staff. Uh, Tim Tibisar was on that staff, who's now the defense coordinator at Oregon State, I think. So a bunch of guys. So Scott's a guy that I've stayed in touch with. My wife stayed in touch with Scott. Uh, got a lot of respect for him. Couldn't be happier for him uh, going back home and what he was able to do the last couple of years. Doesn't surprise me. Uh, was always a guy that was uh, you know, really intelligent, was hard-charging, had strong beliefs in uh, you know, who he was personally as well as professionally. So um, you know, it's great. You know, me, me and Scott now typically sit next to each other in the, in the head coaches' meetings and things like that. So um, you know, really happy for him and happy for Nebraska and for our conference. I think we had another really good coach in our conference which helps everybody. James, what are you expecting from this freshman class, and how much different is it now than when you first got to Penn State and obviously had to play all those true freshmen? Yeah, I think we we obviously have more depth than we've had in the past. Uh, I do think you know this year specifically we have more question marks, so we're probably going to have to rely on some freshmen that we normally uh, wouldn't, and, and specifically at some positions where you probably normally wouldn't. So at linebacker, I think we all know, got some question marks there, and then obviously being able to have Jesse Luketa and Micah Parsons on campus early I think was helpful. Uh, those guys I think are going to probably have to factor in in what roles, I'm not sure yet. And then on top of that, I think a defensive tackle. I think uh, 
I think DJ Mustafer and, and uh, Judge Culpepper probably come in probably further ahead than we thought. And there's a buzz about all those guys right now in our program and, and may be able to factor in uh, size-wise, strength-wise, things like that. So, um, obviously, you got you know Justin Shorter and Ricky Slade and some guys that you, you, you can make arguments were considered high-profile outside. I think all the guys that we signed internally, we felt like were great players. Um, but I think probably positions like defensive tackle and linebacker where we have the biggest need, um, those guys may be pressed into to, um, action a little bit earlier. And the new redshirt rule allows us to kind of test the water early on with all those guys if it makes sense. I think that's one of the things that may be different than people anticipate. We're not just going to play guys because we can now. You know, they still got to earn that right. Um, if not, we'll save it to later in the season in case we get in those situations we need to play. James, what concerns if any of you have about the newly legalized sports gambling nationwide? Jim Delaney about an hour ago mentioned that he thinks it should become standard that it be pregame and player availability reports. What are your thoughts on this? If they were to come to effect. So you want me to talk about the kind of like two different topics? Yeah. I know I, they go hand I guess hand. he was comparing, you saying that with legalized sports gambling that player availability reports should come out to help, I guess, with people who would gamble on a game. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not really necessarily concerned in helping people make better decisions. Decisions, uh, you know, with, with things like that. Um, you know, I, I do think. I do think. Obviously, you'd like to have some situation where, again, your level on the playing field, like we talked about, you know, in the big room just a minute ago, about everybody kind of playing under the same rules. The problem is, is how are you going to enforce all those things? You know, so um, you know, one program's doing one thing, another program's doing complete the opposite um, and it makes it challenging but you know, you know for me I don't I'm not necessarily looking to do anything to help people in terms of uh, you know who they're choosing and who they're betting on we're not we're not looking to do any of those types of things uh, for us I want to know what the rules are within our state I want to know what the rules are nationally and once I know what those are then we'll just work around them but um, you know to be honest with you besides that we're going to educate our players on what they need to be aware of. We're going to educate our coaches on what they need to be aware of, and besides that, there'll be business as usual for us. James, James you, felt that, you felt that interviews are a private matter, that you do have to quiet, and you think it's a team matter. Um, Commissioner Delaney is saying that it should be made public for whatever reason, and I was just wondering if you discussed that within the coaching group or with, with the commissioner. I, I think what what's happened is, I think we all know, rules get put in place because somewhere or someone was abusing a rule. So, um, or abusing something that a rule now has to be put in place. Um, I think for the most part, everybody's kind of doing it the same way. So you have a few people that are outside of that norm. Um, again, to me, if, there, if there's a rule that says we have to do it, we'll follow that rule. If there's a rule that says we don't, then we're going to keep business as, as it's been for a number of different reasons. Part of it was gambling. Part of it is our players' health um, is personal. You know, there's some HIPAA laws when it comes to those types of things. And the other thing is, if I tell you, if, if I tell Mark that you got a bad ankle, 
What, what, what's Mark going to do? You're going to go after your ankle. You know, so, so I, you know, if you have a weakness, why are you going to put your weakness out on the table and let people know what those things are? So um, there's some things when it comes to the NFL. There, there's a lot of factors that go into it. So, um, you know, for us, we are going to try to gain as much information we possibly can about our opponent. And we're going to try to limit, excuse me, we're going to try to limit the amount of information that we give to our opponents. So that, that's all it really comes down to us. But all I care about is whatever the rules are, we're going to follow the rules. We'll live within those rules and go from there. But I don't. what I don't understand at this point is how are we going to enforce this rule? Is, is this going to be a compliance enforced rule? Is this going on each individual campus? Is this an NCA enforced rule? What are the penalties for it? Um, so I just think we have to be careful because we have enough rules right now that we have a hard time enforcing, and now we add more. James, another Two concern of, uh, of legalized sports betting is that your players might be very popular on campus with kids trying to hit them for information about the team to benefit them. How do you educate your players into, you know, just kind of staying focused and, and, and not being swept up in all of it? I don't want to come off like we are um, not showing enough respect to the to the rule being passed and the law being passed, but it's not like gambling wasn't already happening whether it was legally or illegally, is happening. So we, we try to educate our players that they always need to be sensitive with information from a gambling perspective. They also need to be sensitive with information because of the opponents we play. They really go hand in hand. So I don't really see the new rule or the new law changing how we go about our business because it was always going on. I mean, early on when I first started coaching, you know, I didn't really understand um, why people went to the degree that they go to when you lose a game. Some people take it way too far. Well, at that point in my career, I was probably naive because people are losing, you know, a lot of money, um, which which takes it. And there's a fine line to that, you know. So I think the I think the real you know we've legalized this because it was happening anyway and it wasn't able to be controlled. And well, now maybe we can get some control and some restraints around it. And, um, you know, and, and, and grab a hold of them a little bit, I guess. Last one. For a lot of preseason hype, Tracy's being named for a lot of rewards, just like Saquon was last year. Is there anything you guys can gain, learn from, you know, the, the journey with Saquon, how the Heisman thing was handled, that kind of stuff, that you wouldn't put in place differently or the same with Tracy? Well, I think it reinforced, I think, what we, you know, what we were already preaching, um, that none of those things matter. Preseason team rankings don't matter. Preseason individual awards don't matter. It's where you're at at the end of the season. I mean, let, let's be honest, at one point, it was a foregone conclusion that Saquon Barkley was winning the Heisman Trophy, and then three weeks later, he's not even a part of the conversation. So um, I think we all realize how ridiculous that was, but my point is a really good example for all of us to look, hey, let's not get caught up in any of this hype. Let's focus on the things that we can control. Let's get prepared to be the best football we possibly can be week in and week out. Typically, the players that get some type of accolades at the end of the season usually come from the best teams, so they complement one another. Those things go hand in hand. So let's focus on the things we can control, not those. It's wonderful that our guys are getting some attention for all their hard work and sacrifices, but it's it's really not what defines us or what we're focused on at this time. Thank you, Coach. And that is James Franklin in Chicago this afternoon. We will come back. Some thoughts on that in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance. 
Obviously, gambling is going to be something that's just, it's not new. All right? that's, that's the element that needs to be put forward here. It's just new that you can go to Delaware and do it. It is new that you can go to New Jersey and do it. It's new that you can go here on the horizon to West Virginia and do it. It'll be new that once it's legal here in Pennsylvania, they already have a bill passed. They just haven't enacted. They haven't uh, kicked it into action yet. So that part's not new. Um. So I think there is so much uh, put forward about the Supreme Court ruling that suddenly has changed everything. It's just changed where you can do it. Sports betting has been out there forever. You can do it in Nevada. You can do it offshore. So it's always been there. And believe me... (laughs) There are plenty of people I've been around. I've been around for years, reporters, taking out their little bet sheets to see where, where things are. I've seen that happen you know, over the years. Not, not as much recently, but more years ago, believe it or not. So, I've you know, we've seen all that. So it's not different. Now, what is different, for example, and I'll give you uh, an example is the ability of the college student to go over to a sports book and place the $100 bet. Because that's where the big change is going to be. The Meadowlands, as I mentioned earlier, in a nine-day span encompassing two weekends and five weekdays, took in $3.5 million on one of the lightest sports periods of the year. The World Cup was going on in Major League Baseball in Wimbledon. It took in $3.5 million just in nine days at one sports book at the Meadowlands. That's not for the state of New Jersey. That's at one sports book. $3.5 million. The big difference will be the, the uh, sports better that puts down 10, 20, 25, 50, 100, maybe 500 on the Phillies to win tonight. On the uh, on Penn State on Saturday. On the Eagles or the Steelers. That's going to be the big difference. That's where the difference is going to be. The, the, the person that's been putting down bets for years, they'll just keep doing it like they always have. They'll, you know, maybe they'll be able to go over to the local uh, casino and do it instead of doing it offshore. And part of what's going to happen now is they're trying to take all that money offshore and they're trying to get it into the states, into this country. So that's not going to be any difference. And the thought, because it's the Supreme Court says that states are allowed to do this, and within five years, I think you'll have at least 30 states doing this. There's some thought that, oh, now you're going to have people trying to get to the players and get to the kids and get information and, and so forth. Right. You know, or they could influence a game and get them to throw the game. Look, the ten, twenty, twenty-five, fifty, hundred, five hundred dollar better is not going to get anybody to throw a game. 
Because if that's all they're going to, if that's all they can bet on the game to begin with, they don't have the supplemental cash to get them to throw it. Okay, uh, so that's that's no concern. Common sense tells you that. Uh, trying to get information, people have been trying to get information like that for a long time. Believe me, there 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 are kids on campus that that know how to make bets, and have forever and ever and ever. That hasn't changed. Now, putting out information for gambling, like Jim Delaney is pushing, which is what the NFL does. I talked earlier, maybe make it as simple as possible. Declare Friday at noon and make it, you know, I don't care if it's Friday at 1, so in the central time zone it's at noon. I don't care what it is. Timing doesn't matter. But Friday at noon... A school must declare who's out, and you don't. And to me, don't say why they're out. Just say they're out. Now, if said player then plays, now the school is subject to a fine. Once you declare somebody out, they're out. Now you can play games with that somebody you're not sure about, whatever, and you know, you're ninety-five percent sure they're not going to play. You don't put them on the injury report. So there are ways to abuse this, and no matter what you do, there are ways to abuse it. Uh, you'll have some groups that will be meticulously accurate, and you'll have others that will be stunningly deceptive. But that's one of the big ones that was talked about today. Um, Trace McSorley was the only unanimous selection for the uh, preseason players to watch. Uh, and obviously, I, you know, just uh, so everyone knows ahead of time, I am one of the voters. Uh, just in full disclosure, I'm one of the voters. So I vote for the all Big Ten preseason players to watch in football, postseason awards, preseason players to watch in basketball and the postseason awards. I vote on all of those. Okay. And I think there's a, I think there's 42 of us that do it total. Here's how it, uh, how the votes came out uh, in the Eastern division that you do five in the East and five in the West. That's what you're supposed to do. Rashawn Gary of Michigan, the defensive lineman and quarterback, Brian Lewerke from Michigan state, Nick Bosa, the defensive end from Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins, the running back from Ohio State, and Trace McSorley, quarterback from Penn State. McSorley's the only unanimous selection in this group. In the West, Noah Fant, the junior tight end from Iowa, Stanley Morgan Jr., the wide receiver from Nebraska, Patty Fisher, the linebacker from Northwestern, T.J. Edwards, the senior linebacker from Wisconsin, and Jonathan Taylor, the sophomore running back from Wisconsin. I'm surprised Jonathan Taylor was not not unanimous, to be honest with you. But those are the ten. Trace was the only one that was unanimous. We have had a lot of likes of late on our Facebook page. How about that? Let's see. Really like Matt Catrillo. Really like, oh, really like Sean Carey. <laughs> Who's the other guy they work with? What, what does this mean? So we've had a lot, obviously a lot of likes uh, of late. 
of people who've gone to the Facebook page. and uh, We had lots of comments, too, from uh, Rene Portland's passing and Saquon Barkley signing his big contract with the Giants. That get, that got a lot of traffic this weekend. So yes, we appreciate everybody giving their thoughts and, uh, and being a part of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Great comments uh, that have been put down. Um, appreciate that a lot. Barkley, by the way, it's a fully guaranteed contract. He gets a $20.76 million signing bonus, $15 million of that right away. Total contract is $31.2 million, four years, and the fifth-year team option. Worth every penny so, for the Giants. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Rainey Portland passing away. But uh, we appreciate everybody jumped on board. I mean, you have a, you know. We've had a lot of likes on the page lately. A lot of them. Uh, Martha Rager. J- John Worthington. J.J. Picka. All throwing likes on the page. It's great. Appreciate that very much. All the people that have posted, a lot of comments about Rainey's passing and a lot of comments about Saquon. Appreciate it very, very much. All right. We have a big week of guests coming up starting tomorrow. I think it's Talk House, it's talk house is tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, 435. Can't wait. Astros announcer, Harry Sun. Your station.